As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. I'm talking about attorneys, accountants, cost seg people, financial mortgage brokers, all those I'm telling you, every deal I've been involved in, if you didn't have a great team there, lots of times they just won't happen because of that. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of the fluffy stuff with us today, Tracy Hubbard. How you doing, Tracy? Doing great, Joe. Thanks. Well, I'm glad to hear that. A little bit about Tracy. He's a full-time multifamily syndicator and asset manager, along with agricultural syndications and ranching. His current portfolio consists of three properties of 400 plus units, and he is based in Lubbock, Texas. And you can learn more about his company, HubbardCapitalGroup.com, and it's also in the show notes. So with that being said, Tracy, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure, I'd be glad to. Thanks. Early in my business career, I was an entrepreneur. I've owned several different companies, different types of businesses. One of them had a lot to do with industrial real estate. I was in the logistics warehousing. So I became familiar with real estate and the benefits of it back in the late 80s, early 90s, and did some real estate deals back then. But then one of my companies gave me the opportunity, and I say my company is one of my corporations that I had. I went bankrupt. <laughs> so I got to start over in life in 1998. I was 42 years old, had four young children trying to figure out what am I going to do in my life. I ended up basically going and learning how to trade the markets, the financial markets, because I was pretty much at that point done with messing with businesses and just the problems with them. So I went into the financial market, started learning how to trade. And I know it sounds like an infomercial when you hear about that kind of stuff, but it's <laughs> a long process. It took me about seven years to really figure out what I was doing. And from that standpoint, I formed a couple of small hedge funds and did very well back from 2000 all the way up to around 2015 trading the markets, the financial markets, but I could see the markets changing, especially after 2008 and nine, what we went through there. And the markets just didn't perform like they used to, and they still don't. It's a bunch of smoke and mirrors, in my opinion, right now. So I was trying to figure out how do I get into hard assets? And I'm talking about assets that can't go to zero like a stock can. And real estate's one of those hard assets. And so I started going over into that realm and specifically 
settled in on multifamily. That was back in around 2015 and 16 is when I started looking at uh, the multifamily. I need to pause, otherwise I'll go on forever. So (laughs) that's the question, Joe. Thank you, because I do have a couple follow-up questions. 1998 went bankrupt. You're 42 years old and you had young kids. What caused the business to go bankrupt? It was a manufacturing company and I made a bad business decision. I grew the company real quick and one of my customers was probably 80% of my business. And we got into an issue on some product and stuff like that. And they had the willpower and the money to wake me out. And that's pretty much what they did. And we lost everything. For someone who might go through something similar to that, who's listening, what are some things that you'd tell them from a psychological standpoint? Wow. There's a lot to cover there. I will tell you that my wife helped me through a lot of that stuff because feel like a failure when something like that happens to you. And I did everything I could to keep it from happening. I actually made some bad business decisions trying to save the business by just putting a bunch of cash into it, trying to save it. And it was just throwing good money after bad at that point. I should have let the thing go down, but I didn't want to have a failure on my record. Because up to that point, I'd been pretty much golden. Everything I touched, all the businesses I'd owned and sold, we did real well. So I wouldn't really want to give up on that. So I Held on too long. That would be one thing I did. The next thing is you got to have someone for emotional support because it can be a real downer thing uh, to go through. So, you know, having emotional support was critical during that time. And my wife had faith in me, know that I would be able to get back on my feet. But it's uh, nonetheless, it could be a little tough. So the emotional part is probably more critical than the financial side of it to be actually truthful. From that experience, what are you better at as a result of having gone through that? Well, my background before that, I'm a former Marine, which just celebrated its birthday yesterday on November 10th, Marine Corps. But it taught me a lot of not quitting, not giving up. Now, some of that no quit in you is also probably what helped me to put more money into the deal. Right. I heard you say you held on too long. Yeah. So that was a little bit part of it. What I would say now going in the future is to hold back a little bit more cash, keep some cash there, a little bit more cash. I just took a little bit, a little too aggressive in my risk going forward, especially that one customer because but I was looking to really grow the business big. So I was not diversified enough. And that goes across all different investment assets is being diversified in your portfolio. So I learned that the hard way. Now let's talk about 2015 when you focused on hard assets, specifically apartment communities. What was your first purchase? Well it's sort of funny I'll take you through the process. I originally looked at single family rentals. Then realized pretty quick I couldn't scale that. So then I started looking at other multifamily stuff, but I was still looking too small. I was looking at the 10 to 20 unit complexes. I was thinking all doing it all by myself. So that was what I started looking at doing. The first thing I did was a seven unit brownstone in Chicago. That was my first attempt at something like that. Wait, how'd you end up in Chicago? Aren't you in Texas? How'd you end up with the property in Chicago if you're in Texas? Uh, Just contacts with people I know up there and that kind of stuff. So that's how it ended up. I was familiar with Chicago because I'd done business up there and several of my other businesses, but I was familiar with the city, but not from a real estate perspective. So it presented what I thought was the opportunity to try to do it. It didn't work out the way we wanted to, but what it did, it sort of got me figuring out, okay, I cannot do a bunch of these by myself. So I've got to figure out how to do it. And I didn't really know anything about the syndication world. So then I started educating myself on the syndication side and saying, okay, I need to partner with other people if I want to get this thing big. Now, keep in mind, all my other businesses in the past, it's just been me, myself, and I. 
I didn't have a partner. So this was a new idea, a new area going into and having general partnership with a bunch of other partners and putting together something. But I also realized that a little bit of a big deal is can be just as good as all of a small deal. So that's where I started looking and said, if I'm going to do this, I got to learn how to do syndication. So then I started looking in the syndication world as far as education, get educated on it. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes. But first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. The seven unit, you said it didn't work out. That doesn't surprise me because you're in Texas, properties in Chicago, and it's your first foray into this. But will you elaborate on what didn't work out and more details on that? Well, the reason I don't think it worked out is because my money partner on the deal didn't follow through. So we didn't have the monies to do the rehabs on the deal. We were basically going to do some condo conversions on it because it was in a nice little neighborhood gated community. We bought it right and basically wanted to go through and gut it because there's lots of comps in the areas. We could have probably doubled our money on the thing. This was back, you know, I could say several years ago as far as selling the units and do our own little homeowner association with that building. But that's pretty much why it didn't happen is because the money got into some trouble and some other stuff and couldn't come up with the cash to do the deal. You did buy the property, correct? Yes. And yeah. So you just sold it as yes. is? Yeah. Okay. Did you make any money, lose any money, break even? I lost about 10 grand, so I figured that was a cheap experience. Okay. So what was first syndication then when you started bringing in people? Was up looking at some property in Amarillo and a broker called and said, hey, I got a property in Lubbock that just came on the market. Would you be interested in that? So drove down there and took a look at it and said, sure. So we looked at it and ended up putting a contract. It was actually two years ago, November of 2019. It was a portfolio property of two complexes, 115 doors and another one with 68 doors. So put in the offer. It was in and out of contract. It took quite a while to get the deal done, but we got it closed in November of 19. So we're in the midst of finishing up our rehab and trying to get those two refinanced right now. Why in and out of contract? What happened? Some things happened with the seller, not trying to decide they wanted to sell, getting financing lined up on it, bridge loans. One of the lenders fell out, so we had to get another lender. So it was a couple of those things during the negotiation process to trying to get it bought correctly. 
and but when we were it, patient with it, you know, and was there waiting for it when the seller got realistic. And so we were able to get it done. Did you have it under contract and then the sellers somehow were able to break that contract? No, I'm from this spoke there. That was all during the letter of intent phase. And got it. That kind of okay. stuff. Someone else came in and put a contract in on it. Well, theirs fell out and they totally lost the deal. And so they came back to us and saying, hey, are you still interested kind of thing? So oh, okay. I'm with it was, you. It was running around like that before. Okay. But once we got to contract phase, it went through. So. Got it. I'm with you. How much equity was needed for that transaction? We raised $3 million on that one. Okay. It was a bridge loan? Yes, it's it, bridge it, loan. It is a bridge and, uh, loan. We're actually just had it reappraised again, and it's gone up in value tremendously. We bought it for about 47 a door, and right now we're sitting at one of them's probably in the 80s as far as the appraisal go, and the other one's in the 70s. You bought it for about eight point six million, yep. and help me with that math for what it's collectively worth now. About right now, it's a little over thirteen million. Nice. And what have you done business plan wise to get it? It's to it's that basically point? value add deal. Both properties were C plus properties went in there and did a facelift on them and rehab and interior of the units, those kind of things, and just cleaning up the properties. They were mismanaged and owned by out-of-state owners so that weren't there very often. So I got very heavily involved in the rehab side of it and the asset management side of it. So just turning them around, rent bumps and stuff from the increase from what we're doing on the rehabs, improving the property. And Plus by the, market, the market's going up. The market's helpful also. That's <laughs> what board. I said. And yet appreciation covers a lot of sin, as I say. So you can screw some things up as long as appreciation keeps rolling. You're probably okay. But it's also one of the things where when it stops, you better hope you underwrote it correctly. What is your level of involvement with the business plan once you've purchased the property? On the ones I've done, I've always been the asset manager on them. On I say on site, I live in Fort Worth right now. So it's about a four hour drive for me, but I go up there about every two weeks because we're pretty heavily into the rehab phase to meet with contractors and be a presence on there. So I am the asset manager on okay. the property. So those are two deals. What about the other ones that you've done? Had another deal there in Lubbock. It's 236 doors. We closed on that one in March of this year. That's a property that was really, truly off market that I've been looking at it just because I'd driven by it with my broker. We were going to lunch one day and he was going by there because he knew the seller and dropping something off. And he came back in the car and I said, is this property for sale? He goes, no. I said, well, has he ever thought about something? He goes, well, he might. So we messed around this thing for six months and without going to a lot of detail, he was ready to sell by then because I think he was trying to get out of that market, move back where he's from. So the timing on it ended up being okay. It took me a year to get that thing contract, just to get the contract going back and forth. Wow. So six months until he said, yeah, I'm interested. And then another six months to actually get under contract. Yeah. Getting it done. What are some things that happened and how you approached it to help get it to the finish line? Just a couple things during that 12 month period. Over communicating. It was sort of interesting to the broker. Lots of times they don't want to get the buyer and sell together, but we had conversations and what my goals are, what we're trying to do and how to work together to make this thing happen. If he really truly wants to sell, we can make a deal. So just being over communicative on everything. It's why we do everything in our business model, investors, everybody. So we just try to communicate as best we can. What's an example of over communication in that well, scenario? 
when there's a problem that crops up and negotiating about email is pretty tough, in my opinion. I like the phone. In fact, I'm not real big on text messaging. I said, there and go, we have all this technology so we don't have to write everything down. And now everybody texts each other instead of calls. And I understand that because some people get long-winded and you can't just get on the phone, get off the phone real quick. But if you have a situation come up that could blow the deal apart, whether it's insurance, a problem with the units, as far as down units, those kind of things, just pick up the phone and call and say, hey, here's the deal. How can we work this out to make it viable for everybody? Is there a solution here? And that's pretty much what I did on this property as far as going through it because of some of the issues that were coming up, especially when you get into due diligence stuff and you have things come up that you may not have planned for, but maybe you got to go back and underwrite it a little bit differently as far as why you got to change your underwriting because of this issue, whether it's a plumbing issue, electrical, whatever it is. And then you got to go back and say, okay, well, I can't really give you this, but just be upfront. Say, here's the math on it. And this is the way it will work for me. I can't make it work any other way. And also, I would say you really need to know your buyer and why they're selling. He really wanted to sell, and I knew he wanted out of it. And I knew, okay, this is not like somebody just out there floating the numbers to see if he can get something for his property. He really wants out of that market and to go back to Dallas. So there was a motivation there. So I just had to keep that in mind just to see where you could and could not push it get the deal done. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business or maybe you've tried, but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes, and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend, Michael Blanc, who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now, and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more, text the word Joe. J-O-E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been 
missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow Up Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Now, when I introduced you, I also said, because it's in your bio, you do agricultural syndications and ranching. High level, what does that consist of? Well, ranching is in my family heritage. We've been doing it for generations. And so I'm sort of getting back into it a little bit and do a little bit of ranching. But the agricultural uh, syndication part of it is sort of interesting because when I was looking at buying one of my ranches, we were looking at putting a vineyard on there because one of my son-in-laws actually worked for a ranch that had a vineyard. And I saw the money that the rancher made off of it. He didn't have a lot of acres. He had like 10 acres of it, which is about all you can handle as a small operator. So I thought, well, there's money there. I'm always looking for ways to offset expenses on a ranch. You know, what else kind of revenue drivers can you have? And like I say, being diversified other than his cattle, we're looking at other stuff. So we were looking at the vineyard also. So I looked at it and it was a viable business model. But through another podcast I'd done, I'd mentioned that. And then I found a guy that actually was doing a little bit of real estate syndication, but not on as big a scale as I was. But he knew a lot about vineyards and they had a vineyard. And they were trying to figure out how to scale the business model. So we got together and that's pretty much what we've done is we're syndicating a vineyard now up there in the high plains of Texas, which is the best grape growing country in the state and produces 75% of the grapes in Texas wine. For someone who has not invested in that type of business, what are the main risks associated to it? Well, the risk or not is really great. I don't think as far as what you have in multifamily mainly because you have crop insurance and stuff like that. Here's the biggest difference between vineyard, which is the agricultural part I'm in, is it's a long time process. You don't get your first harvest until fifth year. And then it's sort of more of a 10-year play instead of a five-year play. But the difference being is this is also like an annuity that keeps paying out because the vineyards will produce revenue for 30, 40 years. So it's not a fix and flip thing. It's more of a development project. And it's a legacy thing that you can build long-term wealth on and long-term income because it will cash flow double digits after that fifth year. And we're doing the same thing you do on a multifamily. We're also doing a refinance in year seven to get all the cash back out and you still keep it and it still cash flows great numbers. The thing about this one is different than multifamily. You can find a lot of property management companies and asset managers to manage your multifamily, but on the grape side of growing grapes, it's a very small world out there. And if you don't know the operational side, you will lose your shirt. So I'm bringing more of the syndication money side of the deal. I've got a partner who's the operator. They've been doing it and know how to do it. So it's back to what I said. You got to have good partners too when you do these kind of things. Taking a step back, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Good partner. <laughs> and I'm saying the team. And I say not just your financial partners, but I'm talking about attorneys, accountants, seg people, financial, mortgage brokers, all those. I'm telling you, every deal I've been involved in, if you didn't have a great team there, lots of times they just won't happen because of that. That'd be my advice. Assemble a great team. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. What is the best ever book you've recently read? Recently read is probably the Texas Wine Pioneers. <laughs> it's the people who started 
growing wine in Texas. Very That's- topical for this conversation. What real estate deal have you lost the most amount of money on? Well, believe it or not, I guess the loss would be that first one, and that's been some money. And I've spent a lot of money on education that probably didn't pan out. But as far as just a real estate deal, that has been the only one I really lost money on was that Chicago. What's one piece of real estate education that you spent money on that didn't pan out? It was a mentorship program. Which one? (laughs) I don't know if I want to say that on here. Why didn't it pan out? Probably because I didn't get the personal mentorship that I was thought I was getting going to get. So knowing what you know now, if you were going to join another program, what would you ask? Who's going to be doing the mentoring? Is it going to be one of the underlings or is it going to be the guru? That's the way you like to give back to the community. Trying to give back to people who don't have. Right now, I'm sort of mentoring my GC, my contractor up in Lubbock. He's a young guy. He wants to get into real estate investing. And he's trying to understand the syndication side of it. So I'm mentoring him just to give back, help educate him on it. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? I would say go to the website, HubbardCapitalGroup.com. And there's stuff in there that talks about our multifamily side and the vineyard side also. Tracy, thank you for sharing your experiences going back to 1998 when bankruptcy happened and then psychologically how to handle something like that should one of us who are participating in this conversation, listening or otherwise, go through something like that. And also appreciate you sharing advice on your acquisitions and how you transitioned into multifamily, as well as the wine syndication that you were mentioning before. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and talk to you again soon. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it.